0: So as I mentioned before we prayed, this is the hunter becomes the hunted. So we're going to see several chapters of Paul's conversion here. Here's what here what we're going to look at: Paul's rage, Saul's or Saul's, Saul's rage, Saul's rebirth, Saul's retreat, Saul's return, his rejection. In Damascus, his rejection in Jerusalem, his rescue by Barnabas, and then the results in a church in a summary, a summary statement. So We've got several points to get through here, so let's just get right into it. <clears throat> so, outside of the gospel events, which is the life of ministry of Christ, his birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension, this is what we're about to read, has had more effect On the world and out, you know. Besides that, this this right here, just one event. Maybe not the whole world, but Western civilization. This this right here is second go to Jesus and his 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 work and his his teaching. Okay, so this is extremely important. So let's start off. We'll just take this in little sections. Let's see Saul's rage. And uh, we're going to look at some other places where Saul kind of fills in some gaps for us. Okay? This, this, uh, this account by Luke, there's some more details that Paul fills in in other places that Luke doesn't record here, so we're going to look at those too while we go. So let's look at uh, verses 1 and 2. Chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, and there it is again, both men and women, he might bring them to back to Jerusalem. All right, so we read in chapter 8 that he said Paul, or Saul, he began ravaging the church. Remember we talked about that, what that word, the picture there is a wild boar tearing through a vineyard. just ripping it. Roots up, roots out of the ground. And then here he says they he says he was breathing threats and murder. Now, when I first on the first reading of that or first several times I read that, I just pictured Saul. He's stalking through the streets of Jerusalem. He's mumbling under his breath. I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get him. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get you. But what that actually is is that was the breath, murder and threats was the was the breath, his, his breath of life. kind of like that. So it was the air he breathed. Every waking moment that Paul was not asleep, he was trying to destroy the church. It it, it consumed him. It was all he did. It was all he thought about. It was the very air he breathed. And he hated the church. Both men and women. It didn't matter. Now, let's go to 26, chapter 9. See something else. He says we give us a little more insight on actually how, how angry he was here, his rage. Chapter 26, um, verse 9, he, right here he's, he's kind of giving his testimony to a King Agrippa, and he, Paul says this, so then... I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. He's going to give an account of his own account here. He's speaking in first person. This is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them, even to foreign cities. So it wasn't just rounding them up and putting them in prison. They were killing these people. And Saul was in hearty agreement with that. He wanted as many of them did, as he could. He, he always voted thumbs down on them, okay? And he says, right, his very self, I was enraged at these people. He was offended by this, okay? He was so offended that they would preach that the temple is no longer our assurance of salvation. The land, the temple, and the law. Right? You're not saved. Just because you have the land, the temple, and the law, that does not mean you're saved. They were so. He was so offended by that that he went to the point of murder. So, what we can say about Paul out of these first two verses is he was a callous. Self righteous, bigoted murderer, and set on a full scale inquisition of the church of Jesus Christ. Okay? He was not a good guy. And then, once he chased them all out of Jerusalem, not even that was good enough. That's not enough. I got to go hunting these Christians. So he went to the chief priest. Uh, this was Caiaphas, same one who was sending Jesus to death. He gave him. Letters of authority to go to other synagogues and, and collect these Christians to bring them back to Jerusalem. So he was Paul's going hunting. He said, it's not it's not good enough that they're they're gone from Jerusalem. We gotta we gotta go round them all up, okay? So that's his rage. In verses three through twenty-two, we're going to see Saul's rebirth. <clears throat> now the story of Saul's conversion here. The main thing we I think we should give this is to remind us to never write anyone off, okay? Your family member that you've been talking to or refuses to talk to you, a co-worker, well, whoever, hey, good, uh, good morning, whoever it might be, um, they're never too far gone for the grace of God to bring them to belief and faith, okay? It's not up to them, it's up to God, so never write anyone off. If somebody refuses to hear you, they don't want to talk about it, just, we, we got to continue to pray for them. Um, a good example is every Thursday night on Freedom That Last, everybody fills out a prayer card. At the very beginning, when everybody gets here, they're handed a prayer card, we list our prayer requests, and then we read those out loud, and we pray. We voice those prayers out loud and every time. Every time Brent and Corey are here, Number one on their list is always, always Christian salvation. And the other, and they're all their children. But they always list him first every time they come. Yeah. Because he's not redeemed. And you don't want to talk about it, but they keep praying for him. They haven't written him off. He's not irredeemable. So this is our big thing here. If Paul, this murderous, bigoted, self righteous, conservative Pharisee, can be brought to faith, then. Anybody can. Okay. Uh, so let's read. Starting at verse three. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus. Okay, Damascus is about a five day walk from Jerusalem, north, up in Syria. Okay, he's he's not he's even leaving Israel. He's going into Syria to round people up. Okay. So he's approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. Leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. He was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. So here's a picture of the big hunter. He's going out to get him. He's being led by the hand into Damascus by the men that came there with him. He's helpless. can't see. He's been rocked to his core, okay? So just a few points about this. We're going to get some clarification, but he says... So when he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Okay, Saul wasn't actually persecuting the person of Jesus. He's persecuting Jesus' church. So right here, Jesus clearly identifies his church as his body or as part of himself. He's so identified with his church, he says, you're persecuting me personally, Paul, by persecuting my my church. And then Paul's response is, who are you, Lord? Now that could indicate that right then he knew who Jesus was. I think he did. If you see, meet Jesus like that, you're going to know. And he says, you know, hey, I'm Jesus. But he refers to him as Lord. Now, R.K. Hughes kind of made the point that, that in that day, people didn't really say sir, they said Lord. So that could be interpreted, he said, who are you, sir? But I believe he's saying, uh-oh, who are you, Lord? He's coming to believe there.
1: That's also very that's very consistent with how they've been Talking to God off
0: the Old Testament. Exactly. Well. <clears throat> That's neither here nor there. I just want to break that point. He, he kind of made that point very specifically that that could be interpreted just to being sir. Dr. Dykes thinks he was acknowledging Christ as, as God. Okay. Anyway. Well, how many of y'all have a uh, little L or a capital I Capital not know L. That would mean, not as in, like Big G little. little G. L- Yahweh Lord is Lord's all capital. Mine has capital L, small O R D. Lord, Lord,
1: Lord Jesus. Yeah. Not
0: God. Okay, yeah. So two things that both just broke upon Paul's consciousness at this moment. Two things he realized. First that Paul, that Jesus is the Christ and he is alive. That's the big thing to realize. And then the second one, he realized I'm at odds with him. I am at odds with God. This guy's been a Pharisee, a well-known Pharisee, very conservative, follower of the law, and now he suddenly finds himself at odds with God and God's plan. So that would be a pretty shocking thing to realize. To them them people, religion was not like us in in this day and age. They they lived, eat, and breathed this stuff. uh, Let's continue reading. Uh, Verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. So that right there can tell us what's going on with Saul. He was three days without sight. He neither ate nor drank, and he was praying. So he was praying and fasting for these three days. Immediately, he started praying and fasting. And he has seen a vision. He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm you did to your saints at Jerusalem. That's the first time the believers are called saints. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. And then he says this, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Okay? So Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying hands on him, he said, brother Saul. He called Saul brother right there. That's important. Is Ananias is he a Jew? Or is he... As far as I know. He was one of the, They think he was a kind of a high up leader of the believers in Damascus. I don't know if the name Ananias is... I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. All I know is he was a believer in Damascus and he was probably one of the leaders of the of the church there. I, mean, I don't know if you can call it a church yet, but it was a group of believers. Ananias is well known and well respected among these people. So he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road... So there's, there's proof that he saw Jesus. Because when... And, When he says it, all he says is Jesus heard a boy saying to him. It doesn't say anything about him seeing Jesus. But then right here, we get a little more information. He says, who appeared to you on the road. So now we know Saul heard him, Saul saw him. Okay. But the
1: people around him didn't
0: see anything. did not. We're going to get to that. Uh, Let's see. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized. He took food and was strengthened. So one thing I want us to notice there is the order. Remember I talked about a couple weeks ago there's different orders where things happen in these people's conversion experiences. So the order here is, I believe that Saul, when he entered Damascus, was a believer. Because he he exhibited faith and obedience. He saw Jesus. He believed Jesus was the Son of God. He is the Christ. Then he went into Damascus and awaited further instruction. So right there, he exhibited faith and and obedience. I believe he was he was saved at that point. And next, Ananias comes, lays his hands on him, he gets his sight back, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he's baptized. So he believes, he's, he, he receives the Holy Spirit, and then he's baptized. Okay? And uh, he specifically says that Saul is my chosen instrument. And Jesus tells that to Ananias. And Ananias is kind of like, hey, wait a minute now hold on, you want me to go to this guy Saul who's been killing everybody and putting them in prison? That's who you want me to go talk to? And he says, yes. He is my chosen instrument to take my, my name to the nations. So Ananias immediately gets up, goes and does what the Lord tells him to do. Okay. Each of us can also be chosen instruments. It's not just Paul. We're all a chosen instrument. If we've been chosen for, for redemption and salvation, then we have been prepared good works have been prepared for us if we would just walk in. Okay. Now that's not to say Paul's not a special case. I'm not saying I'm not saying we're all Paul, but we are all chosen instruments of of the living God, because we're all sitting here right now. Going studying his word. Okay. Let's go on. Now for several days he was with disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying this, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, Man, is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on his name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them down before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing his strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. So immediately Paul starts going to the synagogues and this is his message: Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. That's all really what he knows right now. He is the Son of God. This man whom we killed—remember that guy, Jesus—he he actually was the Son of God, like he said he was. And we have to realize that you know Saul was—he probably knew most of the Old Testament by heart. I mean, so he could easily put together. The things from the Old Testament prophets that Jesus has been fulfilled, fulfilled in Jesus. The Lord opened his eyes to see these things, to realize these things, so he starts going and arguing in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. <clears throat> and he is the Christ. All right, so, now there's a thing here that I did not know about. So the next step in Paul's or Saul, we'll call him Paul now. Okay, he's converted, so. The next step is Paul's retreat, okay? Paul doesn't go right into ministry. First of all, he's a brand new believer. He's a baby Christian. All All he really knows at this point is that Jesus is the Messiah, and he's alive, okay? So he's not ready for ministry. But between verse 22 and verse 23 most everyone, theologians, scholars, biblical scholars, agree that there's a three-year gap right there between verse 22 and verse 23. Saul did not uh, just leave from Damascus, as this says. There was was a big gap here. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. I'm looking good. So let's go to Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. And look at something Paul tells the church in Galatia when he's writing them about this time, okay, about what happened after he was converted. Galatians one chapter eleven. Oh, I'm sorry, did I say chapter eleven? Galatians chapter one verse eleven, okay. He's writing to the church of Galatia, and he here's what he tells them. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from a man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's very important. Because I was always wondering, how did he know the stuff he's telling, like the believers in Thessalonica about? You know, we're all going to be changed in the blink, in the twinkling of an eye. And and all. I mean, how does, I was like, how does he know all that? I've always wondered that. Well, here it is. So you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure. And I tried to destroy it. He says right there, I was looking to destroy the church. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach among the Gentiles, here it is, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia, and then I returned once more to Damascus. So he went and left and went to Arabia, to the Sinai wilderness where Moses lived, where in his preparation for ministry, where Elisha was in his preparation. Then, three years later, okay, that's three years, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, that's that's, uh, Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, what I'm writing to you, I assure you, before God, I'm not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia. We're going to see that also over in Acts. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but only they kept hearing he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they were glorifying God because of me. And then we get another like pin or timestamp right here in two one. Paul gives us another solid timeline, I guess you call it a timestamp. And he says, then after an interval of 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas taking Titus along. also. That's going to be in uh, Acts chapter 15. It's the council of Jerusalem. He's already done one of his missionary journeys when he returns for the council. Okay, For our purposes here, he says, I did not receive this from men. I did not consult flesh and blood. I went away, went away for three years into Arabia. That's the Arabian Peninsula, which would also be called the Sinai Peninsula. All right, that's the Sinai, wilderness of Sinai. So, now turn to Acts 22, verse 17. We're going to get a little bit more detail (laughs) here. Acts chapter 22,
1: verse
0: 17. This is Paul giving his testimony, not to Agrippa. This is a different account he's given. So, twenty-two, verse seventeen. So it happened when I returned to Jerusalem. What? I returned to Jerusalem. Well, let's let's get a little run starts. So we see what he's given this account a certain, start at 12, a certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law. So there, right there, he was devout by the standard of the law. I'll give us a little more information about Ananias. And well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. Okay, He came to me and standing near said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time I looked up at him. And he said, the God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see his righteous one. And to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now why do you delay? What are you waiting for? He says, get up and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name. And he says this, it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. And I saw him, Jesus, saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly. Because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And as he said to me, and he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. There's another little piece of this puzzle. So what happened here? Okay, here's the timeline. This is what I believe happened. And I'm not, I'm not just pulling this out of the air. This is, I think this is plausible, even though Luke doesn't record it this way. But if you put all this together, here's what it appears happened. Okay, Paul was first getting to church. He headed off to Damascus to round him up. He was converted and confirmed on the road by Jesus. He was saved, baptized. And then we see there in verse 19 that for several days he was with the disciples at Damascus and he immediately began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue. So he tried his hand at preaching a little there for a few days. And it appears as if he left Damascus and went back to Jerusalem. Did not consult any of the apostles, did not tell anybody where he was going. He just went to the temple to pray. He left. That's what it looks like his account. He left Damascus, went to Jerusalem, went to the temple to pray. While he was in the temple, he fell into a trance. And Jesus said, Saul, you need to get out of here. Uh, Paul, you need to get out of here. These people are not going to hear you. It's too soon. Okay? It's just too fresh in their in their psyches. What you going to do to them? You're not safe here. So pa- Saul leaves Jerusalem and goes off into Arabia for three years. And so... Is that not fitting? Is, is, is Paul not an apostle? Called by Jesus. Witness the risen Christ. And what did all the other apostles do for three years while Jesus, they, they walked with Jesus? They spent three years with him under his, under his teaching. So what happened here is Jesus told Paul, get out of here. He went to the Arabian Peninsula, and he basically went to seminary for three years. That's where he learned all these doctrines that he wrote to these churches, all these truths that he knew. He spent three years in the wilderness getting his Masters of Divinity, basically. He went to seminary for three years. I I never knew that. I always wondered, how does he know everything like this? He went and spent three years in school, basically. He he, He spent three years with Jesus just like the other apostles. Okay? He even says some things, you know, in his writings that indicates that he got all this from Jesus, like 1 Corinthians 11, where he says, I received from the Lord and what I gave to you, that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, okay? He specifically says right there, I received this from the Lord, and now I'm presenting it to you. And just as a little clarification, I remember. Way back there, we were talking about those evidences of the resurrection within the first six years of the church. And we talked about the, uh, the creeds. I'm not sure that First Corinthians passage is a creed. Because Paul specifically says, I received this from the Lord. Whereas, like Romans, where he says, if you believe with your, you confess with your mouth Jesus the Lord and believe his heart God raised from the dead, that would be more of a creed. But he says that several places. I receive from the Lord that which I pass to you. He received all this during his three years in the Sinai wilderness, speaking with Jesus. Does that sound heretical at all? I mean Okay. So this little trip to Jerusalem to the temple, I don't think anybody knew Paul went up there. He just he just got cut out. So I'm going back to the temple. I gotta to get to the temple and pray. Right? He was all shook up Uh uh-huh okay he was he was tripping he was tripping he had he had to go seek the lord's face and that's what jesus told him get out of here i'm going to send you away and he went into arabia for three years that was paul's retreat okay next we have paul's return to Damascus. return he returns to damascus so we picked that back up here, verse twenty-three. So there was this gap there between twenty-two and twenty-three. We just kind of explained what happened there. So now we pick back up at twenty-two. He is rejected by the Jews in Damascus. They they were plotting together to do away with him. Actually, I'm pretty sure these were the Hellenistic Jews that keep causing trouble for everybody. You know, the ones that. Ended up getting Stephen martyred. Um, that's what our kid used. He and and Dr. Dykes both said that these were Hellenistic Jews that were causing all the issues in Damascus. And so Paul had to escape from Damascus because he was rejected there. So he was being prepared he was being prepared for service here. So he's he's been to school, he's got his doctrine down, he's been told the truth of reality, from the one who created it. So he goes back and he says, all right, I'm ready. Well, he's not ready. They just reject him totally. So he's being prepared prepared for service by getting a dose of reality. You're not just going to walk in every town you walk into and people getting saved all over the place. That's not how this works. And um, it turns out that these Jews were in league with our... With our Arab governor. And we see that in Second Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32. Another little tidbit of uh, clarification he gives us about this time. Well, so let's start at thirty. If I have to boast, everybody there. Second Corinthians eleven thirty. Second Corinthians chapter eleven. We'll start reading at verse thirty. But the meat of this is in thirty two. But we'll just get a head start. If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. So he calls this weakness. When he ran out of Damascus, he sees this as a weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the Ethnarch under Aretas the king was guarding the city of the the Damascenes in order to seize me. And I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and so escaped his hands. So this wasn't just the Jews. It was also the Arab governor of Damascus. Also they were all plotting together to get to get Saul here. So that's just another little detail we can gather from other places in scripture. So he's he has to flee the flee to the Masses. They let him down in a basket, kind of like with David. Remember, David was let down in a basket too. And so next we'll see that he, he returns to Jerusalem and he's rejected there as well. Okay. We see that in verse 26. When he came to Jerusalem. He was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Now this is three years later. Okay? All been out of. He's been off the scene. He hasn't been persecuting the church, killing nobody for three whole years. He's just been gone. Nobody knows where he's at. Even now, when he comes back, they still. Uh uh-uh, uh uh. You're not tricking me. You know, stay back. Stay away from me. They did not believe that he was a disciple. So. Once again, he's rejected. He gets another, uh, you know, disappointment, let's just say. You know, nobody believed that he was truly converted. <clears throat> so next we'll see he's rescued by Barnabas in, chapter, in uh, verse 27. It says, But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. So good old Barnabas, the son of encouragement, kind of like Ananias, he comes and he says, come on, Paul, let's go. I'm going to bring you to the apostles. I believe you. Paul, uh, Barnabas, basically, he vouches for Paul. He puts himself out there. He sticks his neck out. Okay, And he says, look, this man saw Jesus on the road. At least that's what he says he did. And so, good old Barnabas, he stuck his neck out and vouched for, for Paul with the uh, church in Jerusalem. So Barnabas rescues him, and then we'll see <clears throat> he he's accepted. So as he was sitting, as he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly the name of the Lord. Now remember, he said in Galatians, he spent two weeks at Peter's house. Okay, that's where we are right here. This is when he went up to Jerusalem. He spent two weeks at Peter's house and he met James, brother of Jesus. Okay. Uh, And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews again, and they were attempting to put him to death. But when the brethren learned of it, They brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. So they brought Paul to Caesarea. Well, the map's gone, but there's a little city on the coast. It's a Roman-built city. Put him on a ship, send him back to Tarsus, which is up there in modern Turkey. Remember the... It just uh, kind of looks like this. Egypt's down here. Tarsus would be about right here. Say uh here's Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, Dead Sea, here's Jerusalem, about right here, Damascus, about right here, Caesarea, about right here, Tarsus, and then Tarsus about right here. And Antioch is on right around here. We're we'll gonna see that later. We don't see Paul again until Barnabas goes to Antioch. He's sent to Antioch and he goes to Tarsus and finds Paul to come help him in Antioch. So this is kind of here's Gaza right here. So this is about a five-day. So Paul went here. He was met Jesus on the road. It appears he returned back to Jerusalem, went to the temple, we had a vision of Christ. Christ doesn't get out of here. He went away to the Arabian Peninsula, which is down here. Three years later, he returned back to Damascus. He's rejected. He's lowered down in a basket out of the wall. He goes back to Jerusalem. That's where he is now. Stays two weeks with Peter in Peter's house, meets a lot of the disciples. They take him to Caesarea, put him on a ship, and he sails to Tarsus. And then he kind of disappears from the scene for several years here. So there it is. There's, there's uh, Saul's conversion and kind of all the stuff that went on there with him. And then... In verse 31, we see, we get another summary, you know, the summary statement of the, kind of like the, the, what stage the church is in. It's just a little kind of parenthetical statement here by Luke to let us know what's happening. So the brethren learned of it. The Hellenistic Jews wanted to put Saul to death. They brought him down to Caesarea, sending to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. So notice that now. We're not just, you know, we, we the church is, you know, here's, Gal- here's Galilee, right about right here. Here's Samaria. Here's Judea. So instead of just Jerusalem now, where the church was, we're, we're, we're covering all this, which is just what God wanted to happen. So God used Saul here, okay? Saul, was he was... Dang. Anyway, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, ten fifteen comments, questions about the sequence mm-hmm. of events, the timeline. Anybody? The three years he was gone. What happened in that time? Well, it's not we're, it's, we're not told about it here, so I mean I, that's be a good study. See if you can find out what was. What do you mean? What happened to Saul, or what happened while elsewhere? While he was gone, you know, while he was gone. What happened to Saul? Yeah. He when spent. I, what happened in the, the whole time period? You talking so about? I know that Jesus was still going out, <clears throat> making more disciples with. Uh, no, it's, it's not Jesus. So, Jesus is. you're saying what was going on over here while, while Saul went away to Arabia? What's happening over here during the that Holy three
1: years?
0: Church is continuing to grow. The gospel's being spread. Saul is out of the picture now. Right. right. So, there's no more persecution happening. So, I'm sure everybody's still looking over their shoulder for Paul. Right. Because they yeah. don't know where Paul went. He just took off. I'm sure they were all still meeting together, house to house, observing the Lord's supper, rejoicing in the Lord. You know, being led, in, walking in the Spirit. All those things. It's not explicitly told us here. There's a three-year gap in the story. Now we can look in other writings, Paul's, or maybe Peter. I, I don't know. It doesn't. We're not really told. We just have to assume things were going on as normal. You know, the church was growing. People were coming to faith. People were being baptized.
1: So, Is that three-year period of um, Saul, Paul, um, going to, you know, seminary, seminary is that, would that, and that be indicative of a pastor of a church, maybe the time frame? Because I know it says that new converts, men should not preach, you know, because they would get, er, you know, Eric yep. and prideful. So is that maybe
0: indicative of a, at Could least be. a three-year
1: period.
0: But it I just so happens. Well, I, I, because I know that apostles, there are no apostles today. But I'm just, it just so happens when a, when, a, when, a, when a pastor goes to seminary. They go to an undergraduate course you know, at a university for four years, and then they go to a seminary to get their Master's of Divinity. It takes three years. It just so happens. Yeah. Is that significant? I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: But... I would. Most I would, pastors receive a minimum of three years of training before they before they take the field. Yeah, I would. I would definitely venture far away from saying we have to. We have to have three years of X, Y, Z, because look, there are people who got their credentials right to back it up, but they're. I would consider them to be unqualified, and they prove it by Indeed. their sermons and everything else. Right. Indeed. Uh, yes. And there's people who don't have the credentials. That are more than qualified, and, and we should allow them. Yes, brother. Those opportunities. That's true. I mean, because, yeah, credentials it, it, don't mean. But right. Paul it's says right. specifically, new believers are not oh, yeah, to no, teach. Abso- absolutely, there right. has to be a stipulation. So whether they're, the they're being operation. trained in an official seminary or being trained under the men- under the mentorship of a pastor yeah. in a church, yeah, they're good. They're good. either way, for those you, gotcha. you. You you know. This is not saying you have to have three years training for you. can... That's not what this is saying. It just so happens he would have three years. I believe because the other apostles spent three years with Jesus. The apostleship there. Okay. To, to, to gain their doctrines and their. Okay. And so Jesus took Paul and he said, Come on, Paul. Let's yeah. go. Me and you are going to spend three years together. And I'm going to teach you all the things that I want you to know. And I believe that's where he got all the stuff he says about the end. And all that. All that comes from this time in the in Arabia. Yeah. Back then, though. His deep understanding of theology. We as humans now today, we've got such busy lives. We're letting this occupy this time, this yeah. occupy this time. He concentrated completely on God's Word. That's by
1: design those distractions.
0: Yeah, you're right. Saul knew, I'm sure he knew the, the law and the prophets bunk backwards and frontwards. Yeah. Awesome to
1: think about that. To change the subject, I like the idea of in verse one and and two, you have uh, Saul going uh, on his way to uh, after the people of the way, and it it it's very interesting. You know, he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he had found any belonging to the way men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, and and so to me there's this thing going on with the way. And so if you think, oh, the way, that's Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so mm-hmm. you go to John fourteen six, and how interesting in John fourteen five that Thomas is like, well, I don't know the way. And that's when Jesus tells him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then there's so much more interesting things in those words that we're told. And then look who comes next, Philip. And and what just came before these verses we're reading today? A story about Philip. And he was taken out of his way to another one's way and I saw all of this threads of of that
0: seemed to be very interesting yeah I didn't mention the way they called it people belonging to the way or followers of the way that was just like their colloquial or euphemistic term for believers until the name Christian got applied in Antioch I'm sure they called them all kind of names followers (laughs) of Jesus
1: Nazarene, I don't
0: know, but Luke does say, you know, a couple times he calls them people who follow the way. So, yeah. I don't think that
1: when when this this Acts is was put together, that it's just that coincidence that we have the Philip story and then we have this way conversation.
0: Yeah, and you know another thing that you think about is remember last time we saw Philip. He was in Caesarea. Yeah, he, he got sent there. Yeah. That's you
1: know,
0: where he After he he went. Yeah. And then they brought Paul to Caesarea. I just wonder if they stopped in and, and if he met Philip then. I just I wonder. Or
1: certainly the, the people of the way.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. But we won't see Paul again for a little while. Next we're gonna turn our attention to, to Peter. Peter is going to be prepared for greater ministry. So the focus that we focused on Philip, a little bit of Stephen, then Philip, and then Paul, and now we're going to turn our attention to Peter. So remember our our outline: Jesus went up, the Spirit came down, the apostles went out. All so, right, so we're in that out stage. So we're going to see Peter move into some Gentile areas. and Some of his Prejudices and um, pre-suppositions are going to be broken down. We'll see that next week. But uh, look at this.